And welcome to episode 10 of Station to Station podcast. We're at the Memorial Day mark of the season. Time to take a good look at both teams. Plus, the Yankees have a whole lot of star power returning to the lineup this weekend in Los Angeles. All that and more coming up next, Station to Station podcast. This station is Station to Station. Everybody, I'm John Persapio. Brian Sarnelli on vacation this week. His sister just bought a new house down in Florida, so he's over there with her, helping her out. Congratulations to them. Pat Lavin on his way to Scranton Wilkesbury for God knows what reason, so he's not with us here. You're stuck with just me for this week. Next week, we'll have everyone back, so we'll make the most of it. What it is again, you're stuck with me. I apologize in advance. We got a lot to do, a lot to talk about today, so let's jump into it. Again, it's Memorial Day. Now, Memorial Day, it's that time of the baseball season where you open the hood to the car, you take a good look at what's going on underneath, right? Um, you got two teams here, the Yankees and the Mets, very similar, very similar in both their regards of how they're going. Very Jekyll and Hyde. Um you look at this Yankee team, it's a team with a lot of promise, but a lot of major holes. The Mets, on the other hand, uh, they had all the expectations in the world, right? Going into this season, we thought, you know, the, the main thing, the missing piece was going to be Carlos Correa. Well, I'll tell you what, even if they got Correa, they still have a lot of issues. So they've been... a uh, Major disappointment as well. Both teams, not where you want them to be at this point. But there's some promise, right? The Yankees side of things, you have a lot of injuries. You know, all teams go through injuries. The Yankees, you you might say, hey, good thing. It happened in the beginning of the year, not towards the end of the year. We saw that last season with the Yankees. Towards the end of the season, you lose a LeMahieu, a Benatendi. Suddenly, you go into the postseason, and their absence was felt, and it was felt major. The Mets, on the other hand, well, the Mets, we thought going into this year, their starting pitching was what was going to carry them, you know, the whole way through. You have Scherzer coming to, you know, this year with the Mets. You had uh, Verlander. You expect big things, and rightfully so. Now, so far, Scherzer, looking like Father Time, might be catching up to him a little bit. Now, we did have a good outing against the Phillies. A lot of people are quick to say, oh, he's back. Well, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. Scherzer did have a very good outing against Philadelphia. You'd love to see that, you know, if you're a Met fan. Um, But for all of his performances so far, he's shown more clunkers than good ones. Right. So you want to see him keep going out there. You want to see him continue that success before you start saying, hey, this guy's back. Now, what both teams have in common so far, 
the lack of offense. Um, I think the Yankees have gotten a little bit better with that, starting to hit with runners in scoring position now. Uh, the Mets, since they've brought up the young kids here, you're seeing a little more life, a little more energy in that team. And you, you love that. You get very excited to see that, you know, if you're a Met fan. Because that's the kind of thing, that, that can be sustained. A good, youthful team with a lot of energy. How many times have we seen that in the playoffs, right? Get a team seemingly out of nowhere come in. These young guys, and they go, you know, all the way. Now, the Mets, they get in. And we're not saying they're coming out of nowhere. They had, you know, high expectations coming into it. Um, you hope that this does continue. But again, the Mets have a lot of holes, too, they need addressed, too, especially with the way, you know, the starting pitching has been. Um, what's interesting about this year, I think, compared to other years, this is the first year we've seen in quite a while where both teams, the GMs and managers, could be on the hot seat here. Okay? And what I, I mean by that, with the, all the expectations for the New York Mets coming into this, and the Yankees as well, too. You know, the Yankees' expectations weren't quite as high as the Mets. The Mets went out this offseason and spent like there was no tomorrow. And when you do that, naturally, the expectation for you is to go out and dominate. And the Mets just haven't done that so far this year. Now, do I think Epler's going to, you know, Epler's on the hot seat. He's going to be out the door after this year. Ah, I think that's hard to believe, you know, especially just coming in here. I, I don't see Epler, you know, leaving right away, even if the Mets don't make the playoffs, which I, I don't think they will. Uh, but you look at this Mets team, you know, you, you're thinking at least wild card right now. If, if they can pull it all together, and there's some reason to believe that. We'll get into that in a little bit. That the Mets, you know, the Mets could turn things around here. Um, but I don't think Epler's on the hot seat. Now, Buck, Buck, on the other hand, he could be. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, I, I, don't, I don't think Buck comes back. I really don't. Now, on the other side of things, you have the Yankees. Now, the Yankees, unfortunately, have had a lot of injuries. And they're in the hardest division in baseball, the AL East. Okay? The Yankees expectations, as I said, are a little bit lower than the Mets. But if they don't make the playoffs, even though they didn't go out and spend like the Mets did this past offseason, the Yankees are the Yankees. And the expectation every year is to make it to the World Series. For a while, the expectation was to win the World Series. That's how good they were. But it's been quite a fall from grace for the Bronx Bombers. Last World Series appearance, last World Series championship was 2009. It's over a decade ago. They can't get past the Houston Astros. We've seen one of the first times in recent memories that the Yankees were sellers at the deadline going back into you know the mid-2010s. Now, we're looking at the, for a while there, we thought, hey, maybe the Yankees could be sellers this year, the way things were going. Well, they've righted the ship quite a bit. Uh, you, you don't see them selling. Now, coming into the trade deadline, and we'll talk a little bit more in, as far as all that goes a little bit later in the episode, 
The Yankees need to address some issues there. But if the Yankees don't make the playoffs or if it's an early exit, maybe you could see a change in the front office. Maybe it's time to part ways with Brian Cashman. Because I've, I've outlined many times, Cashman can make some good sneaky trades. He's shown that. But what he's also shown is that he has a hard time building a champion without spending money. Go back to that 9 team. In the 2008 offseason, they missed the playoffs. Last year of the old Yankee Stadium, first year of the new stadium. Cashman had an open checkbook. He brought in Teixeira. You brought in Burnett. You brought in Swisher. You brought in CeCe. They win the World Series. Outside of that, you know, what has Cashman done? And again, that was that was the owner's pocketbook. So you have some interesting names that are going to be available this offseason. You have Brian Sabian in-house. David Stearns is the hot name in Milwaukee. Now, Stearns is going to be finding a new home probably this offseason. You have to figure the Mets aren't going to move on from Epler at this point, one year in. So that probably puts them out of play. But the Yankees, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Again, you know, that's if the results aren't what we want them to be, and we hope that that's not the case. But again, it's been a very Jekyll and Hyde season for both teams so far. And we're a third of the way through. Now, if you're a Yankee fan like myself, you have a lot of optimism on the horizon. You go to Los Angeles this weekend, Chavez Ravine, play the Dodgers. And you have a lot of star power coming in. Okay? You're going to have Stanton coming back from the I.L. You're going to have Tommy Canley coming back from the, the I.L. And now that's a huge one, Canley. And we'll talk about the Yankees' bullpen a little later on. But Canley coming back from the I.L. is going to be a huge, huge addition for the Yankees, if he's himself. We'll see. And then, of course, you have Josh Donaldson. We'll see how Donaldson does. He hasn't been great so far, but we'll see. Let's start off with the New York Mets. The Mets sit at 30-27 and 27 so far this point in the year. Again, third of the way through. They're three and a half games behind Atlanta after their win today. They sweep the Phillies. The things that I talked on, I touched on early, Verlander and Scherzer, not the guys that you brought in here to Flushing. Verlander has shown some good things. He's shown you some things to worry. Who is he? Is he a guy on the wrong side of 40 now? Doesn't have, you know, much left. And the same goes for Scherzer. You know, Father Time, you don't beat Father Time. You just don't. Now you hope that there's still something left in the tank for at least one of them. Forget both at this point. But one of them. You hope there's something left in there. Especially maybe in October. Because that's all that matters, right? Get into the playoffs then go from there. And if there is anything left, that'd be a hell of a time for it to come out. 
Those two have been a reason for concern. Now, Kodai Senga, let's talk about Senga. Because Senga has, at times, looked phenomenal. Right? Senga, you know, with that ghost fork pitch that he has, uh, he's looked absolutely unhittable at times. You go to his start against Tampa Bay, he looked unbelievable. Against Philly, unbelievable. But he's also shown that he has trouble commanding the zone. And when he does, if hitters are able to lay off, that's when he struggles. But if Senga can be a solid number three starter, again, that's all he's got to be, a solid number three. Suddenly the Mets, you know, if again, if Verlander or Scherzer can give you something a little bit better, the Mets rotation isn't that bad. Now the Mets rotation... The, that's their biggest weakness, in my opinion, right now. That rotation. You're relying on that bullpen far too much. Now, we thought when Diaz went down in the WBC that that was going to be a huge hole for the Mets. Well, you know what? David Robertson's done a hell of a job so far. Absolute hell of a job by David Robertson. Adovino's been good. You know, again, some pieces in that bullpen haven't been great. But overall, you're happy with that. But the starting pitching, if you can bring out some solid quality starters here, because how many games have the Mets won coming from behind in late innings? You can't do that forever. Plus, you want to take some of the pressure off these guys in the pen. Because it's only May, right? We're a third of the way through, and they've gotten a hell of a lot of work. And we talked about it last week. You know, when you come down to October, these teams that are deploying their bullpen night after night all season long, those relievers tend to struggle in the big spots when it matters most in October under the lights. So if they can shore up that rotation, if Senga, you know, can be a little bit more reliable, hit his spots, be, stay in the strike zone, that could be huge for the Mets. Now, also, you know, the one thing I really like about, you know, the Mets so far this year is that they're willing to mix and match. They're willing to cut ties with guys when it's not working out. They're willing to bring guys in. I mean, look at Gary Sanchez, right? They took a flyer on Gary. They brought him in. And then, you know, you got Nito coming back from the IL. You, you cut ties with Gary Sanchez. I, I'm on record of saying I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought Alvarez was going to go back to the minors, right? Now, that's the old Mets. That's not the way the Mets do things these days, and you love that. But it's time to start looking at Vogelback because this guy, he's just dead weight in that lineup right now. He's been god-awful. And you really got to start looking at your options when it comes to him. I don't know if you can keep running Vogel back out there every day. Uh, you know, it, it's not what you want from the DH position. You have Vientos, who's looked good. I think it's time to start giving Vientos more of the at-bats and say goodbye to Vogel back. Now, Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez, right? That youth movement in the Mets lineup, you love it. If you're a fan, you, you absolutely love, that's what you love. That's what gets you excited. Those young guys coming up, making an impact. 
And again, it's huge that Alvarez stayed with the team and they, they did get rid of Gary, which by the way, Gary Sanchez has been off to a great start with San Diego. That's not a knock on the Mets or, you know, or anyone by any means, but of course, you know, you go out to San Diego and he starts finally hitting. Oh my God. I'm not going to get started on that. Uh, uh, Pete Alonzo, what a year from Pete. And we talk about the Aaron Judge, Pete Alonzo rivalry. Well, how about the year Pete Alonzo's had so far? Leading the league in home runs, the RBI's off the charts. You know, it, the guy can hit. The guy can absolutely, and he doesn't get enough love. He really doesn't. And we talked about this, you know, for the past few weeks. Outside of New York, you really, you don't see much press on Alonzo. And even in New York, for what the guy has done, he's going he's gonna to give Aaron Judge a run for his money this year. Now, does he break it? We'll see. Does he get to the 62 mark? I don't know. It's a hard thing to do. It really is. It's a hard thing to do. But Pete has shown that he rises to the occasion, especially when it comes to records. Go back to that rookie of the year record for home runs. Judge sets the record. What does Alonzo do? He comes out and breaks it. I think there's a fire under you know his rear end. Especially when it comes to these personal accolades for Alonzo. So the Mets... They show you a lot of good. They get you excited, right? Just like this Philadelphia series. They absolutely dominated the Phillies. Now, the Phillies, they, they're a team that might be a bigger disappointment than the Mets so far. So take it with what you want. Take it as is. It is the Philadelphia Phillies. They got to continue it because far too often the Mets do this. They go out. They dominate a series. They look great. You know, these dramatic home runs, late in comebacks. And they go out and they lay an egg. Now, they have Toronto at home this weekend. Toronto, that's another team that absolutely has disappointed this year. So it'll be a good weekend series. Mets are at home. You got Toronto coming in. Hey, they can help the Yankees out, too. You know, a lot of happy Yankee fans. Now, speaking of the Yankees, Yankees sitting at 34 and 24, the 10 games over 500. That gets them six games behind first place, Tampa Bay Rays. And third place, they're sitting in third behind also the Baltimore Orioles. Now, Baltimore, Baltimore, who saw that coming, right? They have a lot of talent. You know, a lot of people say, hey, Baltimore is going to be pretty good. But no one expected this good. Baltimore has been playing out of their shoes so far. That's the Aaron Hicks-led Baltimore Orioles, mind you. Hicks signing with Baltimore over the weekend. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun next time the O's come into the Bronx to see how that goes. You know he's going to hit a home run. You know it. Right? That's how it goes. Yeah, Joey Gallo, you know, dodged the Yankees in the Bronx. When the Yankees go to Tampa Bay, Gallo, what does he do? He goes off on the Yankees. That's just how it goes. But, you know, hey, Hicks, say what you want about Hicks. It wasn't going to work out. 
it wasn't going to work out with the Yankees for various reasons. Now, that's not to say I um, I think Hicks is going to, you know, suddenly become an AL All-Star, you know, in, in Baltimore. I, I don't. I, I really don't. But do I think he'll be better than what he was with the Yankees? Yeah, I, I mean, that's it's hard not to be with how bad he was. We talked about, you know, Stanton, Donaldson, Canley coming back from the IL this weekend against the Dodgers. That's going to be huge, right? You're starting to get some of these pieces back. Now, the Yankees' bullpen, I talk about Canley coming back and how I think that really is one of the biggest. Now, Stanton gives you protection in the lineup for some guys, you know, Judge, uh, Rizzo. Balances that lineup out a little bit more as far as, you know, protection. Uh, but Canley, the Yankees bullpen to this point, I realized that statistically the New York Yankees bullpen is the best in the majors. But in my opinion, I don't know how much of that truly is that they're the best or how much of that is a mirage. Because the Yankees bullpen has been called on a lot. A lot. Now, you know, the reasons for that, we talked about even before this season. We said the bullpen was going to have to be huge for the Yankees to be where they are right now, realistically. Now, remember, you know, you sometimes you think that the sky is falling with the Yankees because they sit six games out of first place. But they're 10 games over 500 at Memorial Day, Mark. And the only reason they're six games out is because they're in the best division in baseball. But that bullpen, for as good as they've been, they've let up a lot of big hits, big home runs. And let's not talk about the obvious. The giant elephant in the room is they don't have a closer. They don't. Now, you can run Clay Holmes out there all you want, but Clay Holmes, he cannot be your closer going into October. That's the bottom line. Now, Canley's going to give you a lot more insurance in that bullpen. And they need that. You have Loisica on the IL till late in the season. You can only run Wandy Peralta out there so much. Michael King has been great, but the problem with King is with his arm, you know, and they're using him in a lot of two-inning spots here. And then he becomes unavailable for you. When you do that. So, you know, as good as King has been, you're without him far too often. Holmes, you never know what you're going to get. Ian Hamilton, who was looking great, he's landed on the IL. So the Yankees, to me, their biggest hole outside of, you know, their injuries, which slowly but surely they're coming back, which that's all good. Now, Harrison Bader comes back, tore it up. Now, he gets hurt with a hamstring. We'll see how long. He's on the 15-day DL, or I'm sorry, IL. Hopefully, he comes back after those 15. He's I'm sorry, the 10. Uh, It's a 10-day IL. He comes back. I'm really going back in the past. Jeez, 15-day DL. I haven't heard that in quite a while. I don't know where my mind's at today. The 10-day IL, Bader's on. When he comes back, hopefully after those 10 days, he's fine. You get that back as well, too. But Canley, a huge piece in that bullpen. Because the bullpen needs help. And we talked about the Mets. You know, their starting pitching has been a huge issue for them. 
The Yankees, on the other hand, their bullpen is what I feel needs the most work. As you look at that rotation now for the Yankees, you got Cole, you have Herman, you have Severino, you have Schmidt, you know, you have Rodon. We'll see. We'll see when Rodon comes back. A lot of people are saying all-star break. Uh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Hopefully he comes back. And you got Cortez. So that would lead you to believe that Clark Schmidt is the odd man out if Rodon comes back, when he comes back. And then you have, a, you know, a rotation of Cole, Rodon, Herman, Severino, and Cortez. Not in that order, but you know what I'm saying. That's a pretty good rotation, right? And then realistically, when you get to the playoffs, you only are going to need four of them. So who, one of those guys, you slide them to the bullpen. Now, I've been very vocal that I think Severino would be a great piece in that bullpen, just based off of his injury history alone. But Severino, his first two starts of the year, you know, he, he's going to make that hard. And he's that's not on the table at all right now for the Yankees. With the way he's pitching, how could you? So that brings you to the pen. And I think the Yankees, you know, they need a pen piece. Now, what would be great is if you can find a closer, you know, a bona fide closer. And you're starting to hear a little bit more whispers coming through. You know, now that we're at that Memorial Day mark, things are starting to turn. Names are being thrown around. Now, one that's very interesting, if I'm the New York Yankees, I'm giving Milwaukee a call about Corbin Burns. Now, Corbin Burns, this is a guy, say, well, why would Milwaukee deal him? You know, Milwaukee's in in the race. But when it comes to Burns, and you look, go back last year. Let's start there. Go back last year. Milwaukee was in the hunt too. You know what they did? They sent Hayter off to San Diego. So don't tell me that they won't deal Burns, especially... Burns, during the offseason, he went through a very, very combative arbitration hearing. And that's apparently left such a sour taste in Burns' mouth that there's no way he's re-signing with the Brewers. So, knowing that, if you're Milwaukee, why don't you try to get something for him? And if you do, if I'm Brian Cashman... I'm flying out to Milwaukee. I'm meeting, you know, face-to-face with the Brewers trying to get this deal done. Because to bring in someone who can close games is huge. So Burns, definitely an option there. Now the Mets, on the other hand, it's a lot of news, especially today, coming out that Shane Bieber is on the market. And if you're the Mets, same thing with the Yankees. I'm in Cleveland. I'm doing everything I can to bring Bieber in. Because if you can bring Shane Bieber in, you're talking about a rotation of Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga, and then Bieber as your four? And you run those four guys in October? You know, suddenly things aren't looking, you know, as bleak. A rotation like that, and now granted, again, Scherzer and Verlander, they got to figure it out. 
but you feel a lot better, and especially going to the National League if you're Bieber. That's who the Mets got to get. If he is truly available, if Bieber is available, Billy Epler has got to get his man, and that's his man right there. Now, a lot of people, you know, they're getting excited about Otani. LA's sitting at 30 and 27. They're six games back in their division. Now, they got off to a bit of a hot start. They're cooling down. I think they're like six and four, and they're uh, last 10 to this point right now. So there's, they're not playing terribly. But 30 and 27, you know, three games over 500, they're not going to move Otani, more likely than not. Now, you never know. You never know with Artie Moreno. Again, I, I've been on the record worst owner in sports, Moreno. He's that bad. So you never know. You never truly know. But I don't see them moving Otani at this point. Now, that can change quickly. You know, Mike Trout, he's due for his annual IL visit. You hate to say it, but it's just the way it's been. If that happens, God knows. Um, but as nice as it would be to bring in an Otani, if you're the Mets or the Yankees, I just don't think it's realistic for either team to say that that's going to be done through the trade deadline. It's going to require a huge haul. If the Yankees were to pull it off, their farm system's depleted. It's gone. They got no one left, right? It's not that strong to begin with. The Mets, the Mets got a lot of guys that, and they're helping out in the majors right now, that if you want to bring an Otani in, you're going to have to part with. And that's a kind of move that if I'm the Mets, I don't want to do. You know, I don't want to say goodbye to a Francisco Alvarez. I don't want to say goodbye to a Brett Beatty, a Mark Vientos. I, I, I want to kind of ride with them at this point, especially when he's going to be a free agent after the offseason. That's not to say that, you know, if, hey, the, the Angels make him available and they trade him to a team, you know, God knows who, the San Francisco Giants, the Dodgers, they bring him in. That they won't, you know, try to sign him long term and lock him up, prevent him to go to free agency. But I don't, you know, Otani's got to realize that after this year, he's going to be, he's going to bring in the highest contract in Major League Baseball history. And part of that is because you're not just getting one player. You're, you're really, you're getting two. You're getting a pitcher of Otani and you're getting the hitter, Otani. And that's a huge premium to pay to get a guy like that. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. In our generation. And Otani's great at both. And with one player, you're getting two huge additions. And don't tell me for one second that that's not going to be the approach in free agency for him. He's going to be the highest paid player from Japan in history, without a doubt. He's going to be the highest paid player in Major League Baseball. He's going to pass Aaron Judge. He's going to pass everyone. And it's going to look silly, in my opinion, the amount of money he's going to bring in. So I wouldn't fear him getting traded if it's not to, you know, a New York team and not having a chance to re-sign him. I wouldn't fear it too much because I think at the end of the day, he's going to free agency. Now, the, you know, the counter-argument to that could be 
you know, hey, if you trade him, he had his reservations about playing on the East Coast when he first came to the States. Let's show him that it's not that bad. And that, that may be true. But at the same time, who's to say he doesn't get traded to an East Coast team? You know, a Baltimore Oriole team. They really want to go for it. If Baltimore, Baltimore has the prospects, Baltimore has the kids. They want to say, hey, bring us Otani. Well, it's, you know, suddenly Otani, he's getting some East Coast experience. Now, although it's probably not the greatest in Baltimore, but still, you know, who knows where that goes? But I think when it comes to Otani, the avenue to take if you're both the Yankees and the Mets is wait till free agency. Don't mortgage everything for a few months. Just wait it out. With that said, over the weekend, a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz coming out uh, from, of all people, Bobby Valentine, former manager of the New York Mets. Uh, he was on the Mike Francesa podcast. Put my mic on! <laughs> a fun little soundbite as always. Mike Francesa podcast, he was on his podcast. And uh, he has some connections on the West Coast now, Bobby V. And he mentioned San Diego possibly selling off a piece that, you know, folks in San Diego, they feel that these players, they're just not gelling, that they got to move somewhat. Now, I don't know if I agree with that logic. You just, you know, you just brought in a lot of these guys, and one player in particular that was named was Juan Soto. Soto just got here last deadline. Right. And if they truly are, you know, toying around with the idea of moving him already, that's just crazy to me. I don't know when, when we've ever seen that. Um, but Soto's a guy. Again, we talked about Corbin Burns for the Yankees. Soto's a guy that I think if you are the New York Yankees, you really try to go get. I think you really got to try go get him. And maybe that means bringing in a lesser piece for the bullpen, because I still think they do need to bring in someone. But maybe instead of, you know, an A-list Corbin Burns, you know, you look at what else is available, you bring in someone else, and you figure out who can be the closer. Maybe it can be a Tommy Canley. Maybe it can be a Jonathan Luizica when he comes back later in the year. Because they do have talent. But if Juan Soto is available, and you tell me that you can have an outfield of Soto, Bader, and Judge with Stanton as your DH, I know Soto's numbers haven't been great this year. But the guy, you know, he loves hitting in New York. He loves hitting in New York. And that's, you know, all Burroughs, apparently. is In City Field, he's been on fire when he comes to Yankee Stadium in that small sample size he's been absolutely unbelievable as well too now I'd like you know a little more contact but Soto he's not total feast or famine right he's not he's not a Stanton he's gonna give you a little bit more production than that we'll see again 
This is the time of the year where things are just starting to evolve. You're starting to hear names. You're starting to get a better idea of where teams are as they assess themselves. Figuring out, will we be buyers? Will we be sellers? Are we waiting? This is when it starts happening. This is when the season starts to really heat up. The beginning of the year, up until this week, teams are figuring themselves out, right? Now you have a pretty good idea who's who. And you start rolling with it. Yeah, We see, saw the Yankees do that this week. Part of their moves when they brought up, you know, when they got these guys back from the IL, Oswaldo Cabrera optioned down the AAA. Um, you know, it's not the last we're going to see of Cabrera, I'm sure. He's a talented young player. Last year he did do very well. Uh, he's no superstar by any means, but they sent him down. And I think that was the right move because you want to give him at-bats. Let him find himself. Because last year he was good. He was a good piece for you. And if he can get back to that, that's a pretty nice you know, upgrade in what you're doing in left field right now. Now, IKF, he has been phenomenal. You love everything you're seeing from Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. He's embraced his new role as a you know ultra utility man which he really is right he's the modern day louis soho if you're the yankees the guy can play any position on the field any position including catcher he's hitting for average he's getting huge hits for the yankees showing a little pop too if he can keep that going and he's see, he's saying the right things too listen he said straight up he said listen he was asked, are you upset that you're not starting, you know, compared to last year? He said, I didn't put up the numbers I needed to. So I understand why I'm coming off the bench, why I'm getting this role. I got to play better. I'm just happy to be part of this and contribute. You love that answer, right? That's the complete opposite of what you heard from Aaron Hicks. Hicks was letting his ego get the best of him. And as I said last week, it seemed like towards the end, it was that ego and him not being able to cope with the fact he's not the same player he once was that ultimately let him out of town. But IKF, maybe he saw that and he took a lesson. Whatever it is, it's worked. So there are reasons for optimism with both teams. Again, the Yankees getting guys back. What were some holes are now suddenly showing as strengths in the case of IKF. Uh, there's still more work to be done for both clubs, but you kind of like where they're at. It's not ideal, but it could be much worse. You hope the Mets come out this next series against Toronto and show you something good. You really do, because after that, they go down to Atlanta. If they can take a series from Toronto and then, you know, take it's a three game set in Atlanta, you can take that series. Suddenly, the Mets are in this. They're in it. And the Yankees, on the other hand, you got the Dodgers. You, you know, you wrap up this West Coast trip this weekend, all night games, by the way. 10 o'clock, you know, late night on Friday. Then you have the 7 o'clock Fox game of the week on Saturday. And then Sunday night baseball on Sunday against the Dodgers. That's going to be a fun series. All prime time. 
That it's rare too. Very rarely do you see a whole weekend set prime time. You got that for Yankees Dodgers this weekend. That takes you back to the old, you know, early two thousands Yankee Red Sox games. The Yankees would go to Fenway every game, prime time, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you're looking forward to that. You're getting a little bit excited. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Yankees look ahead. After that, they come home. They'll play Chicago. The White Sox, uh, who have not been good at all. That's another team who you're going to expect to see selling at the deadline. Huge disappointment. And then we get to see the Red Sox, finally. Boston comes to town for a weekend set. And same thing, as I just mentioned. Look at that, Boston. Back-to-back weekends. You don't have a single day game. And then the weekend following that. So listen to this stretch for the Yankees. You have Chicago. After this you know, West Coast trip, you have Chicago coming in for three games. All 7 o'clock starts. Then you have Boston for three games. Then you go to Flushing. You play the Mets for two games. Then you go up to Boston. You go up to Boston for a three-game set. The Yankees do not play another day game until June 24th when they host the Texas Rangers at 4.05 p.m. June 24th is the next Yankees day game. I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen a stretch like that. I really can't. These are huge games coming up for the Yanks. You, you want to beat Boston? You know, you, you know Boston's going to be hungry to beat the Yankees. You know it. And then you have the Subway Series, 13th and 14th. Now, I got to see. I got to talk to Brian when he comes back, what our plans are from that, for that. Maybe we do a remote, you know, from one of, you know, the fields. Uh, again, they're, they're playing in uh, Flushing at City Field, the 13th and the 14th. So maybe we'll go up, do a uh, you know a game and a broadcast from up there. Something else maybe for the YouTube. We'll see. We'll have more on that this week. But then you know you have Boston right after. So it's a huge stretch coming up for the Yankees. A lot of teams that are going to want to beat them, and beat them bad. Now the Mets, as I mentioned, you got Toronto this weekend. Then you go to Atlanta for three games, and then you go up to Pittsburgh. For another three before hosting the Yanks. And then after that, you stay at home for three games against St. Louis, followed by going down to Houston. Houston for three games. Which Houston, hey, they got off to a slow start, but I told you they'll be there. Here they come. They're coming. They are now in second place. In the AL West, they're three games behind Texas. Texas has been great. They're seven and three, Texas, in their last ten. Houston six and four. But they're getting hot. Altuve's back. Things are looking up for them. You expect them to start to run away with this a little bit. I don't see Texas. I know Brian's been big on them. He's gotten excited about the Rangers. I don't see it. I, I don't. They've been good. Um, Eovaldi has been fantastic. That's a guy I, I never understood why the Yankees let Eovaldi go. I really don't. I know he had the arm issues, the injury, and they just cut him loose. I thought that was a big mistake at the time. I still do. 
is what he do. He went to Boston, absolutely dominated with Boston. Now he's in Texas, and he's looking great in Texas. The guy's a good pitcher. Don't know why the Yankees gave up on him. I really don't, especially when you look at their rotation now. It's one of those moves, and again, that's that's Cashman. That's Cashman. Let's move on to something sweet. Now, I don't have my counterpart with me this week. I know how much he loves something sweet. He never gives me anything serious anyway. But I got something sweet for you. How about the Mets? The New York Mets, you know, we got really high on them. We got really high, and then they come out. What do they do? They laid an absolute egg. Absolute egg against Colorado, um, you know, in Chicago. A horrible series. After, you know, you take two out of three against Tampa, you sweep Cleveland, and then you go out and respond like that. To come out and sweep Philly, that was huge. That was a huge move by the Mets. You absolutely love that. And as I said, keep that going. Ride that into this weekend. And let's go, you know, let's beat Toronto. That's what you want to do. Don't go drop another series, especially when you're going down to Atlanta next week. So Memorial Day, Mark, again, we're a third of the way through. A lot of reason for optimism. For sure, there's some concerns. Hey, you know, every club's going to have concerns. And if they don't, you know, what? They're the 98 Yankees, all right? Everyone's going to have concerns this point of the year. And I like where both teams are at. The Mets showing some fight with these kids. Keep that going. Bring in some help for the starting pitching. I think they're going to be all right. The Yankees, get some help in the bullpen. If you can steal a guy like Juan Soto, because that's what it would be. And I don't mean like what they give up for steal. I mean, if you can get Juan Soto after he was just dealt last year, go ahead. Get him. Get him. And if that means giving up a Peraza, Anything but Volpe, really? Go for it. Even if that's a Dominguez. Right? Dominguez, because let's face it, he's going to look a lot like a Juan Soto if he lives up to the hype. But how many times do guys actually live up to their hype? You never know. But again, a lot of reason to feel good. Going into this weekend as we now start the middle of this baseball season, which will lead us up to the trade deadline itself. We'll be with you all week. Next week, again, Brian's back with us. Uh, Pat is back with us as well, too. We'll have a normal show for you uh, next week and going forward after that. Make sure to follow our social media handles, S2 Station Pod. That's the letter S, number two, Station Pod. Uh, Instagram, TikTok. TikTok, listen, we got a lot of highlights up on TikTok. You got to go give that a follow for sure. If you like those real-time highlights, um, we have reels as well, too, going on over there. Clips from the show. Instagram, you can find a lot of you know clips from the episodes there as well, too, in case you do ever miss anything. It's a good, fun way to stay current. Also post a lot of announcements there. 
And then let's not forget YouTube, right? YouTube, the big one. Make sure to go follow us or subscribe to us on YouTube. Ring that notification bell to get notifications when we do upload new videos. We post very often, not just episodes. We have a video out right now where Brian and I, we go out to the field and we see who can throw harder. If you haven't seen that one yet, go give it a check or check it out. Videos entitled, We Tested Rosin with Alcohol and Sunscreen, which we did. It was a lot of fun. Make sure to give that a check as well, too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it wasn't too, you know, annoying on you. Again, just me. We avoided some rants today, too. Although next week we're going to talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Phillies booth and what they had to say about Francisco Lindor. And I'm going to be defending Lindor. We'll talk about that next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Station to Station Podcast. I'm John Persapio. So long, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care.